Well, today, my brothers and sisters, on this second Sunday of Advent, I'd like to speak about two things, two main ideas and kind of tie them together. First and foremost, I'd like to talk about how this season, the season of Advent, is in fact a little bit like Lent, a penitential season. Okay? And also, I'd like to bring into the picture, by means of illustration, a story from the life of St. Nicholas. Okay? So, first and foremost, a penitential season. Actually, our Eastern Orthodox brothers call Advent, they call it Little Lent. Okay, it's not fully penitential like we think of Lent, but it's a time to silence our hearts, to quiet ourselves, to open ourselves to God, and to prepare ourselves for his coming. And uh, that entails a little bit of penance. Now, the three classic works of penance are prayer and fasting, and then also what the fancy word is almsgiving. Almsgiving basically is, is the uh, work of charitable, concrete acts of charity for the benefit of those who are needy, those who are maybe less fortunate than us. And I, that, that third act of penance, that third kind of penance is what I'd like to focus on in my homily. I think right now we're, at St. Joseph the Worker Parish, we're, we're really very good. We're doing good in this dimension, this department of charitable works. We just finished off our first host week of Family Promise. We've got our, our angel tree in the back. Uh, we're getting ready to do the Christmas baskets, and we're really all the hard-working volunteers that make these charitable uh, efforts possible are getting ready and, and doing their thing. So things are going very, very good. And of course, we do charity all throughout the year. Um, charity has a special ability to prepare our hearts, to open them up, and to get them ready for Christ. We see in our gospel... John the Baptist. He's a, pre a preacher of repentance. John the Baptist is a preacher of penance. And we've got this quote from Isaiah in association with John the Baptist. Isaiah says, Make sure that all the valleys are filled up and all the mountains are, are made low so as to prepare for the coming of the Lord. So we've got this idea that Jesus is going to be coming and he's not going to find... He doesn't want to find a rocky and rough terrain across which to travel. Okay, It's going to impede his coming, his advent. It's going to hinder his advent. So what do we got to do? we got to fill up the valleys. we got to level those mountains. My brothers and sisters, this is a really great metaphor for the human heart. Our human hearts can often, like those valleys and those mountains, kind of have some nooks and crannies and some dark places, and they can have some rocky protuberances and things like that, that that hinder the coming of Jesus in our in our lives. And so penance has a wonderful way, especially charity, works of uh, concrete acts of charity, have a wonderful way of smoothing out the surface of our hearts so as to uh, make a highway for the coming of Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story here about St. Nick. Um, most people don't fully realize how long of a career St. Nick has had. Okay, He's got a 1,700-year career. All right? He goes all the way back to the 4th century. And it, his, in his latter career, 
He's kind of taken on, he's gone through a little bit of a metamorphosis in his latter days, okay? His latter developments, I'm not exactly against them. You know, I, I think he could, he probably, he's gained a little bit of weight. I think he could stand to lose a few pounds, you know? Um, I think he's fallen on hard times. He had a cut uh, advertising contract with Coca-Cola. I don't know, that's kind of unfortunate development in his career. Um, really, as of late, He's been giving kids, whether they're naughty or nice, tons and tons of stuff. I don't know, I think that kind of takes away from him. So, but in his early days, though, it's very, very important for us as Catholics to realize that St. Nick is a, is a real saint. And uh, he goes back, he's a 4th century bishop of Mira in Asia Minor. He was present at the Council of Nicaea. Okay, Nicaea was the council that produced the creed that we recite every day. Uh, I'm sorry, every Sunday. Okay, so he was a, a very important saint, and he's been there's been a great devotion to him over the centuries. And it's only really in, in recent times that he's kind of gone through this sort of a legendary metamorphosis. Okay, so the the real Saint Nick back in the day, he was a very pious man before he became bishop. And he was known for rising very early. He was seen in the church, praying in the wee hours of the morning. But he was especially known, not just for prayer, but for his works of charity. Okay, So he was really into those three acts of penance. Prayer, uh, fasting, and works of charity, or almsgiving. Very, very much known for the almsgiving. The story has it that his next-door neighbor fell on very hard times. And this man was a widower, and he had three daughters... And they were all struck with serious poverty. And he was in serious problem, serious trouble. He needed to, to see his, his daughters get married off. But in those days, for a woman to marry, she needed what's called a dowry, which is a sizable amount of property or money or some sort that she could bring into the marriage. Otherwise, no deal. Okay. So here he is. He's got to support these, these ladies, these young women. And they're all starving to death. It's a real problem. So he's a Christian man, but unfortunately, according to his by, his, by the cause of his bad fortune, he's he's tempted to conceive a very evil plot in his in his heart and in his mind. He decides to to deal with his financial hardships. He decides that the best remedy actually is to to give his daughters to a brothel. Okay, so. Uh, he must have been thinking out loud because wind of all of this gets uh, comes to the ears of St. Nicholas. So what St. Nicholas does, his parents had just recently passed away. And they were people of means. They were pretty well-to-do. So he takes a full third of his inheritance and he changes it for gold. And he places it in a sack. Could be a stocking. Okay, so this idea of the stocking hanging from the mantle might go back to this part of the, the original story surrounding St. Nicholas. So he takes this gold and he puts it in this stocking. And in the middle of the night, of course St. Nick always comes in the middle of the night, right? In the middle of the night, he sneaks up to his neighbor's house and he throws the bag of gold through the window. lands on the floor. And uh, in our artistic tradition, there's many famous paintings of this, uh, Fra Angelico a medieval painter, a very important medieval painter who ushered in the Renaissance. He's got this famous picture of St. Nick throwing the bag of gold into the, his neighbor's window. Well, in any event, his neighbor wakes up, his daughters wake up, they see this gold, and something amazing happens in this guy's heart. He repents. 
See, that's the act. That act of generosity, that almsgiving, that charity has a spiritual dynamic that goes two ways. It changes the hearts of those who exercise it, but it also changes the hearts of those who receive it. And that's, that's the spirit of Christmas. Uh, that's the true spirit of what it's all about to, to give gifts and to receive gifts. It's not all about commercialism and materialism and tons of stuff, but it's the act of giving. It's the act of reception. And there's a spiritual dynamic that takes place in that generosity. So this man repents, and he, he, he says, okay, to himself, I'm not going to do this, this nasty deed I was thinking of doing. And he's able to take that bag of gold, and he uses it as a dowry to see his first daughter married off. Okay. Well, some time goes by, and you can probably guess what's going to happen next. St. Nick sells off another third of his inheritance, and he does the same thing. And the guy's able to... Uh, See married off his, his second daughter. At this point, though, the, the gentleman is really wondering who this angel of charity is, so he decides to stay up late one night to see if he can catch who this guy is. Okay? And this is, again, probably the origin of the whole... Anybody ever stay up late at night to try to find Santa? I mean, I, I did when I was a kid. I kind of had a suspicion about who the real Saint Nick was, but it was a hypothesis I wanted to test it, okay, with some empirical evidence, so I kind of hid behind a sofa once, okay. So, but in any event, this, I think it, it is, this is where, in fact, that tradition comes from. So this guy stays up in the middle of the night, and he's going to try to catch this angel of charity. Well, lo and behold, the third bag of gold comes flying in through his window, and he says, okay, I got it. He bolts out the door of his house and he's chasing down the road this shadowy figure. This was before, long before, centuries before St. Nick actually acquired that flying sleigh, that getaway car with the with flying reindeer and all that kind of stuff. So he was just on his feet. He couldn't outrun his neighbors. His neighbor overtakes him and uh, finds out you know, who he is. And as it is in many of the, many of the stories of the saints, basically St. Nick says to him, okay, well, don't tell anybody that I did this until after my death. Okay. So after the death of St. Nick, then there's all of these uh, stories that are surround his life, and they're very, very fascinating. I would encourage us, really, as grandparents, as parents with children, to dig into the authentic uh, tradition of stories surrounding St. Nick. Because they're amazing. They're very, very Christian, incredibly edifying, and very fascinating and, and, and interesting as well. Um, but this is what we see here. This is what we learn in the story is that that act of almsgiving, that form of penance, has a way of changing the heart like nothing else. So my brothers and sisters, I say all this just to commend us in what we're already doing. We just finished off our first week of Family Promise, the first host week, and it wasn't without uh, problems. But overall, it went very well. And um, we've got our giving tree. You know, I'm just thinking in connection with Family Promise. We brought uh, this cork board in that had all of these, the hearts hanging from it that uh, detailed the needs of, for the, the food needs for the, our host week. And when I brought it to St. Michael's, they, they took like 80% of them. And then St. Patrick's finished it off. By the time it got here, there was like one heart left or something, you know? So, no, but that's a very, very good sign. Uh, that we're very generous, we're a very generous community. And of course, actually, the, the majority of our volunteers, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in, in the, for the host week and for the project as a whole, come from Clyde. Uh, so God bless you all. Thank you for your generosity. 
Uh, remember that this is what this uh, season really is all about. It's that generous thing. It's not about who's got the most goodies, but it's about giving. It's about receiving uh, and about how that acts, those acts of penance, those acts of almsgiving, like nothing else, have the ability to fill up those valleys in our hearts and level those hard surfaces so as to prepare a way for the coming of Christ on Christmas Day.